The Oklahoma Sooners beat the BYU Cougars 31 to 24. We'll break it all down on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on every platform and on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button and that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. And Josh, the Oklahoma Sooners, came away with a win. It wasn't always pretty and it wasn't uh, always clean, but they went on on the road in what will be one of the tougher environments in the new Big 12 against a team that they've never beat and a team that played a, a much better football game than what they've shown in the past month or so. Uh, Oklahoma comes out on top 31 to 24 and it was a a game that had a ton of different storylines in it. Yeah, it, it uh, obviously had a number of twists and turns, uh namely Oklahoma somehow against BYU can't complete a game with its starting quarterback. It just doesn't happen against BYU, I guess. So there's that twist and turn here, but the uh the most important thing is Oklahoma finds a way 31-24. I do feel like coming out of it, we sort of know that OU's just not a great road team right now in uh, in 2023, and this didn't play out as anticipated from yours truly and probably plenty of others out there. I thought Oklahoma would kind of roll in, in this thing, and uh, obviously that was not the case, and a, a good heaping of credit deserves to go to BYU, who simply, I think, played much better than they had in the past month. And then obviously Oklahoma, the, the run defense wasn't great. I mean, there were a number of things that weren't great from Oklahoma in this game. And yet the, uh, the largest factor that rings true is Oklahoma in a game where it faced some adversity, again, losing its starting quarterback, made enough plays to, to go win and enough timely plays, John. Yeah, Oklahoma's defense was not good. They allowed 5.7 yards per carry. 217 net rushing yards, according to the official stats. It, it was a game where even you know Jake Retzlaff looked fairly reasonably good as a quarterback. You know, he bought time with his legs. But as you mentioned, when Oklahoma needed big plays, they got it. And it's the thing, it's the thing we've been seeing from this team all year, uh, save for a couple games, is even if the defense is giving up yards, giving up points, they'll come away with a play or two. To, to win a football game, to help you win a football game, even against Oklahoma State and against Kansas. I felt like the defense, you know, yeah, get, Kansas scored a bunch of points, but at times the defense did enough to give the offense a chance to win the football game. Against Oklahoma State, they they held Oklahoma State to, what was it, 27 points in that one? That's more than enough for an offense that's top five in the nation in points and yards to go win a game. Well, the defense did it again today or on Saturday where, yeah, they they weren't great. They had some areas where they can need to continue to improve, but you get the Billy Bowman hundred yard interception return for a touchdown. That was huge. I mean, that was a 14 point swing right there. BYU's driving 
first and goal at the two, about to take the lead, and that completely changes the complexion of the game. And then you have the Danny Stutzman strip sack late in the game. You know, they hadn't really been getting much pressure on, on Retzlaff. They hadn't had a sack, it seems like, in forever. And then, you know, Kobe McKenzie, you know, just he, he dives inside, draws the offensive tackle in. Danny Stutzman's free to go and, and sack the quarterback and knock the ball loose. The defensive lineman jump on the ball, and Oklahoma is able to cash in and, and go win the game. And uh, just, just, again, key plays in key moments, Oklahoma's defense comes through, and it shows that resiliency, that, uh, that reliability where it's, okay, yes, we're giving up yards, but you know what? We're going to be ready to go for the next play. Okay, we gave up that play. We're going to be ready to go to the next play. They're not batting, backing down, and they're not giving up just because you know a team is getting some momentum and, and gaining some ground on them. Yeah, they, they made uh, just enough of those defensive plays in a game that really, in as we've discussed, was not great in, in a number of uh, other ways defensively. I mean, this was a BYU team that came into this thing reeling offensively uh pretty hapless couldn't couldn't really run the football all that effectively Retzloff uh hadn't done uh, a bunch of positive things but he he looked like a quarterback against Oklahoma that uh was starting to come of age a, a little bit in this game so you know probably not great uh for OU but uh OU did find a way to poke a couple of footballs free and obviously the Billy Bowman play was just gigantic for, for him to make that play in that moment in this game when Oklahoma had to have it, given the circumstances, obviously, that, that happened offensively, but with losing Dylan Gabriel, it, it felt like the way the game was going that you were going to need something like that. And Oklahoma got a couple of something like that in this game. But uh, it felt like those that, that kind of game for OU where the first couple of drives, though, we'll, we'll – talk about it here in a little bit that Jackson Arnold of course showed you late that there's uh, there's reason to be excited about of course I think what we all expected right his future and what it's going to look like at o- at Oklahoma and yet those first several drives were kind of like uh-oh is it too much too soon is this too big of a spot on the road is he not ready is this offense not ready to overcome this you needed some help, right? And Billy Bowman provided that. You got the other big turnover. Maybe you were looking for a big punt return at some point. So Oklahoma needed that type of spark. And again, they got it uh, on the road in what wound up being a more difficult than expected road test. Well, you know, this team should not have given up 17 points in the first half to BYU. BYU's offense had been terrible. They're one of the worst in the nation, one of the worst in the Power Five. And Oklahoma responded. They responded by only allowing seven points in the second half, zero points in the fourth quarter. Yes, the first half was not good, but your defense responded. And that's what you want to see, right? You want to see that short memory. You want to see a defense, you know, battle back and support your offense, especially, like you said, when, you know, your starter goes down, this the Oklahoma Sooners did just that. I mean, in the in the second half, they held BYU to one of six on third down after allowing four of eight in the first half. Uh, they held them to 18 yards in the fourth quarter. 18 yards in the fourth quarter. Seven carries for 19 yards. So, like, things got drastically better for the Oklahoma Sooners when it had to get drastically better. And – 
we'll talk about one of those guys that was key in this one. I mean, we're going to talk about Jackson Arnold and his performance as well because you don't you don't get there without Jackson Arnold stepping up in key moments. We'll talk about that later in the show. We're going to talk about Danny Stutzman and and the legend that continues to grow here after the break. Hey, if you're anything like me and like I was in college, the idea of reading textbooks just kind of gave me tired head. I just struggled to sit and read a textbook, but I also spent a lot of time in the car. I commuted to school. I went, you know, 45 minutes in the car. I would have loved to have something like listening.com. Listening.com is an app that turns academic papers, textbooks, PDFs, websites, and emails into audio so you can listen to them on the go. Instead of sitting at a desk to read, their app frees you up so you can learn from anywhere. It's the best app in the world for listening to academic material. They can read math equations, automatically skip citations and footnotes, and can pronounce difficult technical words. Other features include one-click note-taking. You can click the plus note button while listening, and they put the sentence you're listening to in a notepad. They also pull out data tables so that you can review them visually inside their app when you get a chance. And a lot of students want to jump straight to the results or discussion of a paper. They automatically detect where the chapters are so you can jump around and find exactly what you're looking for. Their users are 50% PhD people 30% college students and 20% working professionals. So you can go to listening.com and get great opportunities to just get all this great information in your, your car, on your runs, wherever you want to go. It's, it's the best place to get all this for you and you don't have to sit and read it. You can look, you can listen. It's all available, available to you in the app. So use the link listening.com slash locked on. You'll be able to get your first three weeks for free. So go give it a try. Usually it's two weeks free, but you get an extra free week when you go to listening.com slash locked on. All right, Josh, let's talk Danny Stutzman because it came out after the game that Stutzman had been dealing with food poisoning. Brent Venables called it the flu. He had required IV hydration. Brent Venables even said, hey, I don't even know if this guy is going to play. I didn't think he was going to play. But Danny Stutzman was adamant about playing in this game. Yeah, and uh, obviously makes arguably the biggest play in the game for Oklahoma. I mean, uh, strip sack, fumble, and all of a sudden that's the piece that puts Oklahoma in position with a backup quarterback to go win the game on a short field, right? I mean, that kind of play, again, you needed that sort of spark, so – it uh, says a lot about the type of character that I think all of us already knew Danny Stutzman has. But, uh, man, when you're not feeling great, you got to have the IV treatment. And as he said after the game, I don't know if I'm still sick or if I got to go to the bathroom again or what's going on. But uh, this was not an easy couple of days. It was not an easy flight. And yet he goes out there and what does he do again? He comes up with the biggest play that basically sets you up to go win the football game, uh, has the – you know, leading amount of tackles in the game for Oklahoma. He was largely himself in, in this game, right? I mean, and that's that, that's kind of amazing when you're feeling that bad to to go out and play as well as he did and to lead Oklahoma when it it wound up being uh, more of a rock fight than maybe was expected. Yeah, if if that's Danny Stutzman under the weather because of food poisoning and hadn't eaten in two days and has the flu and needing IV hydration, like I want to be Danny Stutzman when I'm sick because like the dude showed up, had 10 total tackles, two, you know, tackles for loss, the force fumble, the sack, 
uh, was third on the team in snaps, just behind Woody Washington and Kanai Walker, and uh, came up with five pro football focused stops and was the what sixth highest graded player on the defense that day. So just a, a, an outstanding performance for, for him. And, you know, so many times it, it comes back to your leader stepping up and, and showing that regardless of the circumstances, you're going to show up. And I think this is what we're, we're seeing building right now at Oklahoma. It's okay. The circumstances aren't great. The, you know, the outcomes aren't what we're expecting, but our leaders are stepping up, whether it's Billy Bowman or Danny Stutzman or Woody Washington, these guys are stepping up and making plays when they got to make plays or they're, they're responding in a much better way. You know, the, like, I, like I mentioned, when the defense only allowed what 17 yards rushing in the fourth quarter where, you know, for much of the game, it was a struggle stopping BYU's rushing attack only one of three in the on third down in the fourth quarter. So it, it was a, a defense that they responded to the challenge. They, they stepped up in a situation where they had to step up in the game. And it, it goes to show that, okay, Brent Venables may not have the complete picture here just yet. They may not be exactly where they want to be just yet, but we're seeing every single week, we're seeing steps in the right direction. We're seeing signs that this thing is heading where Brent Venables wants it to head. He even mentioned, like after the win, there's a lot of things that they got to clean up. There's things that they got to do better, and he'll be the, he'll be the first to take accountability for what this team has to improve on. And what, first of all, I love that from the from the head coach of this team that even though he recognizes that there's things that they got to do better, he'll first also take the accountability and take responsibility for how things go in a game, whether they go well, whether they go bad. And actually, you rarely hear him talk about himself when things go well. But he will talk about himself when things are going poorly, which, again, a sign of leadership, a sign of accountability. And that's something I think that resonates with the players that if the head coach is willing to point the finger at himself, then I should be able to do that myself. So, again, just a, a solid win. Was it a great win? Was it one you're going to tell your kids about? I mean, maybe you will because you beat BYU finally and you beat them with a backup quarterback. But you just got to win. You know, you got to win early start on the road. That's that's really the biggest takeaway from this. Sure. Found a way. Found a way, and though you didn't get the news you were looking for, looked like maybe uh, middle of the afternoon you might get that good news you were hoping for with uh, o- Oklahoma State and Houston, but when it was all said and done, you didn't. Looked like uh, early in the game maybe it was going to be uh, low scoring enough that Iowa State might have a chance to upset Texas. Didn't work out that way, and so we'll see. We'll see if there's any dramatics in, in this final week that could – help Oklahoma, but technically you, you do stay in the chase, right? I mean, you had to win to keep yourself alive for the, the Big 12 championship game. So Oklahoma got that piece accomplished, and now they turn it to a short week in the Black Friday game versus TCU. So they did just enough. This game, I, I think, uh, made again very clear that Danny Stutzman and Billy Bowman are two of Oklahoma's best players. And we'll see. that There will be respective decisions for both to be made uh, at the end of this season. And probably this is a later show conversation, but how much better Oklahoma would be with each of those two guys coming back. I mean, the, the Billy Bowman play was just, I mean, heroic 
heroic in this game to to go have what I think the seventh all-time 100-yard scoring play in Sooner history. So, I mean, it's rare that those happen. And then Danny Stutzman, what he delivered in this game was, again, it was uh, like knight in shining armor stuff for Oklahoma. So those two guys, clear NFL talents, uh, clearly to me right now, okay, Peyton Bowen, I think he's going to grow into that. There's some other guys that are going to grow into that type of level, I think, down the road, John. But those guys right now, are NFL guys for Oklahoma. And if they come back, you think about, okay, what the future could be with somebody like Jackson Arnold next season, as soon as again, next season in the sec, but got to enjoy those two while they're here. Right. And this was, I mean, arguably, arguably Billy Bowman's finest game in the crimson and cream. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's possible. I mean, he comes up with a huge play, his uh, second interception return for a touchdown, his fifth interception overall uh, was second on the team in tackles. It was a good performance. You needed him to step up and, and play as well as he played. You needed that from the whole defense, but Billy Bowman showed up and showed out. Let's talk about the offense, though. We're going to talk about another guy who showed up, was forced into action. We'll talk Jackson Arnold and some other uh, offensive observations here after the break. NFL season is at full heights, and this Episode is always brought to us by FanDuel Sportsbook, where that's America's number one sportsbook. And you can get in on the action with the National Football League before this season totally crescendos. We're coming down that home stretch. Thanksgiving Day games. Oh, baby, here we go. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. What does that mean? Well, that means a $5 money line bet on anybody and your team wins. That's $150. To you. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than right now to get in on the action. The app, it's super easy to use, and they've got a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So just about anything you can think of. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get after this NFL season in style. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Jackson Arnold comes into the game in the second half crazy because it didn't look like there was any issue with Dylan Gabriel going into halftime, but then you go back and watch just a couple of plays before half and he kind of gets slammed into the turf, hits his head pretty hard, much more understandable, but Jackson Arnold comes in, starts the second half, a little bit shaky to get going, but came through again, talking about players that come through when it mattered most Jackson Arnold did just that. Pressed into an incredibly difficult situation he did, again, just enough. I, like, this game, to me, that's what it was. It was just enough for Oklahoma. And you know what? That's okay. That, that's okay. I, I said, you know, for my liking, that this game was important in the sense that wanted it, to, wanted it to look more like West Virginia or wanted it to look more like Iowa State or Texas in the Cotton Bowl in some respects, especially early in that game where Oklahoma looks great right? Convince me that you're great, Oklahoma. You're not good. You're not very good. You're great. Well, they didn't do that in this game. This was the just enough game. But again, in the second half, there were the extenuating circumstances that at least make sense why you weren't able to separate. And maybe a healthy Dylan Gabriel, Oklahoma does separate in the second half, John, because what? They, they forced uh, the three punts, came away with a couple of takeaways, gave up just the one scoring drive. 
it was there for Oklahoma to turn the thrusters on and race to the finish line and race away from BYU. But that's not how it played out from a health perspective. Jackson Arnold, we got to see him. We were asking for him. We got to see him, and and he needed that run game with Gavin Sawchuck to arrive, and it did. He, Oklahoma found just enough of that late, and then obviously Jackson Arnold makes the, the big-time throw late to ice the thing. That was a really positive sign for him to stand in, deliver, feel the heat of this game, of this moment, things on the line, and uh, is only going to help him. Going forward, that was a massive moment for him to take part of. Really just the entirety of the second half was gigantic for Jackson Arnold and for Oklahoma moving forward, and, and he handled it just well enough, right, and stood in and made a big-time big throw late. You know, you talk about coming in off the bench cold and – you know, the last time that Jackson Arnold threw a pass in a game was September 16th against Tulsa. So that was two months ago that he had last thrown a pass in a football game. And they did not have near the stakes that this football game had. So to come in off the bench, pressed into a tie game, I thought he played well. I thought he, I thought he responded well. Are things going to get better and we're going to have higher expectations for Jackson Arnold 100%? But I think in this situation, coming in at halftime, in a tie game, in you know Lavelle Edwards Stadium, that BYU fan base, they're a really good fan base, and that's a really good environment for college football. And he, and he did what they needed him to do to win the game. You know, On that final third down, that final drive altogether, I thought was this absolute perfection. At, Oklahoma gets the ball with over five minutes left to play and runs the clock out like that is perfect football that's perfect execution was were they getting a bunch of yards were they getting a bunch of you know you know big uh gash plays in the run game no but they were getting enough yards to get first downs and killing the clock like that was absolutely perfect game management in situational management and that's what you love to see is okay can you take five minutes off the clock to go in the football game. And they did that. This was the issue we saw a couple, you know, a few weeks back against Kansas. They, they, they found a way and figured out a way to go do that. Jackson Arnold had a nice little run on, I think it was a second and five where first he jukes a guy out and then second just wills himself to the first down marker. And then on the third down play, he checks to the slants call if you go back and listen to Jeff Levy's interview, Brent Venables, Jaden Gibson, from what I understand, that was going to be a pass play, either a deep pass to the sticks to get the first down or to what they checked to was a slant call. And Brent Venables said it best after the post game. He said, we've learned. I think we all learned from that Kansas game that one, you don't sit and leave about two minutes on the clock regardless of how many timeouts the opposing team has two minutes in college football is an eternity. Even if your, your opponent has no timeouts, no, you go win the football game and they did just that and, and credit. It's a credit to the coaching staff willing to, to acknowledge that, okay, we might've done some things poorly in the past, but we're going to correct it and we're going to do better. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a, a credit to Jeff Levy for giving his fr true freshman quarterback playing his first half of meaningful college football, the option to audible, the option to, to get to the line of scrimmage and see what the defense is giving them and check to a play that's going to work better 
it's a credit to Jackson Arnold for seeing that the defense was in what they were in and then checking to a better play call and then executing that play call. It's a credit to Jalil Farouk, who again catches that ball, what, three, four yards short of the first down and then wills himself to the first down marker, getting a little dinged up in the process. So it was it was a total team effort. And yes, we can talk Jackson Arnold and how well he executed and audible that, but that's also a lot of preparation that comes from your offensive coordinator. It's, again, learning from a mistake that comes from your, your head coach. All of it mattered. And giving the Jackson Arnold the opportunity to audible there, that comes from learning and it comes from preparation. Because if Jackson Arnold hadn't been prepared for the moment, the moment may not have happened. It's a good point. It's a good point. And uh, obviously, credit to Oklahoma from for, for learning from a mistake against Kansas. It would have been so easy, too. And I, I saw you tweeted this out, I think, on Locked On Sooners, or maybe it was your personal account. But you're right. It would have been easy to hand the football off. And, and given the circumstances, I, I, I posted the, the tweet out on mine, which was, are they going to run or are they going to throw here? Because, it, again, it would have made so much sense Young quarterback, freshman quarterback, that situation. He's he's made some throws, right? But okay, let's let's chew a little bit more clock. And if we break one and get a first down, great. Instead, they they said no. This did not work out for us against Kansas. We're gonna we're gonna drop back. We're gonna throw. We're gonna try and go win the game now. And and obviously they were able to do that. You know, the other thing I wanted to point out about Jackson Arnold, I said, hey there were some signs early here that it was like, okay, was, was this a wide eyed moment? Was, uh, was this too much too soon? You know, really he gets hung out to dry dry on the one drive too, because you mm-hmm. missed that chip shot field goal. Yep. He, uh, he had the nice throw to Jalil Farouk on that drive that converted the third down and 13 and set you up at the BYU 13 yard line. And, and you don't get into the end zone from that, that point. But you know, look that, that to me, that's a scoring drive that uh, Jackson Arnold orchestrated that doesn't go down as a scoring drive, but that was a nine-play, 59-yard scoring drive. Uh, Next drive, okay, it's uh, one scramble, right, one run from Arnold, uh, sandwiched in between a couple of Gavin Sawchuk runs, and, of course, the 16-yard tough run from Gavin Sawchuk, which probably at some point we need to uh, just celebrate that individual play from Sawchuk a little bit. That was like – you're not taking me down right here right now, but so there's, there's a scoring drive there. And then obviously the icing drive. So you had two freshman drives and then the final three were, yeah, pretty good for Jackson Arnold in Oklahoma. So that was a very nice sign for Jackson Arnold and for OU. Yeah. And just on that Gavin Sawchuk moment, you know, point a little bit, I did not know he had that in him. And I apologize, Gavin, for disrespecting you by thinking you're just a speed guy because, by good, my goodness, man, the, the toughness and the physicality, the will and the want to, to just, again, will yourself into the end zone, I was, I was shocked by that. I, I said he channeled his inner Tommy Walker on that play because he was not going down. He was going to score. And it was, it was awesome. And Oklahoma's found their, their lead running back. That's three straight 100-yard days for Gavin Sawchuk. And he had several really, really nice runs in the game. Uh, I'll have to go check real quick to see how many you know, first down runs he had and a big, you know, he had five runs of 10 yards or more, three of 15 yards or more and five that went for first downs. So like that's out of 14 carries 
out of 14 carries, five of them went for 10 yards or more. That's awesome. That is awesome efficiency from your running back who just a few weeks back, we didn't know if we were going to get to see him extended playing time at all. But, man, he he came through huge. Another one that had a great game was Jaden Gibson, two catches for 81 yards and a touchdown. That kid, man, he's he's come on this year. I think Brent Venables talked about him in the post game as well. Like maybe last year he wasn't quite ready for it, but he's made the improvements and he's shown out this year. And the future is very, very bright for him. Yeah, it's it's one of those young players for Oklahoma that's obviously going to blossom and has this season, but will continue to into next that excite you about what their potential is for this program as it transitions into the SEC. And, you know, here's the other thing in closing is now you got a chance. We, we said coming out of the back-to-back losses to Kansas and Oklahoma State, win these final three games, make it a double-figures win season, let the chips fall elsewhere where they may for the Big 12 championship game. But don't make this a disappointing, a totally disappointing season. And for some, they're going to be, to some degree, lamenting, hey, what the heck happened in Lawrence and in Stillwater? But you can't change that, right? You can't go back and fix those. There's no do-over button. So the only thing Oklahoma could do is win these final three games. And if you got to the Big 12 championship game, great. And uh, if not, then go win a bowl game. So two legs of the now three-leg race are complete. And ding, ding, check, check on the first two. Let's see if they can close this thing out in the proper way versus uh, obviously TCU. Yeah, Black Friday affair, 11 a.m. This coming up after Thanksgiving. Hopefully they don't need a whole lot of turkey and stuffing on Thursday. And they're they're better – better energized and prepared than they were uh, to start this past Saturday. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in and being a part of the show. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all podcast platforms. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on Ref, myself at John Nine Williams. The show is at Locked On Sooners. But until next time, he's Josh. I'm John Boomer Sooner.